So today is episode 104 of the Love Your People Well podcast, and my friend, I am so glad that you are here. We are talking about a really powerful and overwhelming and incredibly important topic today, which is how do we raise our kids in the Lord and to know the Lord when the world around us is so chaotic, so broken, and so distracting? How do we handle that ourselves? How do we raise our kids, teach our kids, protect our kids in the middle of all of that? This is crazy important stuff, but it is difficult and it is overwhelming. And if you're anything like me, there are many mornings where you just wake up and feel the weight of motherhood, of how the heck am I going to do this again when I'm tired and when everyone's cranky and we've got a thousand things on the schedule. In the middle of all of that, I want to do a holy and good job of raising my children to not just make it through these years, but to prepare them for the inevitable trials that will come in this broken world. So this is some big stuff, my friends. And I want us to take a look together at some of the biblical truths about what we are called to as parents, as well as consider how do we do that? when the world around us is often not supporting those same goals and not necessarily trying to point our kids in the healthiest and holiest direction. Why does it matter? How do we do it? That's where we're going today. So my friends, let's dive in to this conversation. Welcome to the Love Your People Well podcast. We're here to build healthy, happy, and holy family relationships. I'm Jess, a marriage and family therapist, a Christian, a wife, a mom, and I believe God creates us for relationships, relationship with Him and with each other. So if you want to build a strong marriage, connect with your kids, find peace and purpose at the end of those crazy days, and keep Jesus at the center of it all, you're in the right place. Stick around, friend, and let's get started. All right, friends. So as I said in the intro, this is episode 104. So if you are looking for the show notes for today, um, kind of the blog style of what we're going to talk about, as well as some links to some resources that will help you in your journey of biblical motherhood in a broken world, um, you can find all of that on the website at loveyourpeoplewell.com forward slash 104. That will be the show notes for today. And there are some resources that I want to point you to because this is an really it's an overwhelming topic. Um, and there's so much that we could say, but I don't want to add to the overwhelm. <laughs> it's an incredibly important topic. And so let me just point out a few resources for you before we dive in. Uh, we do have, well, we have several free resources from Love Your People Well, but two in particular, I think are connected to today's topic. And that is the five tools Every Busy Mom Needs to Move Her Family from Autopilot to Intimacy. This is a free five-day email course. You just get a quick little email every day with a short video and a handout and some very practical ideas for how to build connection in your family, no matter what chaos or change you might have been going through. Um, That is the five tools. And then we also have 100 Ways to Love Your People Well, um, 100 Ideas, for loving God and yourself and your kids and your husband. Um, So lots of very practical 
ideas and tips and strategies in that one as well. So for the five tools and these 100 ways, those are all at the website, loveyourpeoplewell.com forward slash free. But I'll, of course, put the links as well in the show notes. Um, And then I also want to point out, if you're listening to this in real time, I have got um, two products in the Etsy shop, which I'm really excited to use this year with my toddlers when we think about biblically parenting them through the Christmas season and the the worldliness that can come into that, the materialism and, and the distraction. And so I've developed um, a set of Advent story cards as well as an Advent devotional journal. And these both have the same Bible readings every day and some of the same questions. Of course, the journal goes a little deeper in the questions. Um, But those products are both in the Etsy shop, and I'm really excited about them. I've heard some good feedback from people who have already bought them and kind of prepped them for the Advent season. I have not printed them yet myself because, you know, uh, I probably will do that the night before Advent starts. Let's be honest, (laughs) life is busy. Um, But we have a 25% off sale right now in the Etsy shop, so this might be a great time to get prepped for Advent and Christmas and how you're going to shepherd your children through the Bible, and what is really true about Christmas, about Advent, and this season of waiting for the Lord to come. So I will make sure to have links to those in um, in the description for this podcast episode in your app, but also, of course, in the show notes online. Those might be really helpful resources for you. Lots of good stuff. And then let me also point you toward some earlier episodes that are connected with our conversation today about biblically parenting our children in a broken world. So in episode 72, we have a busy mom's guide to understanding the Bible, applying it to real life and shaping your family's spiritual growth. In episode 93, we have parenting tips for the busy mom, three ways to love your kids well in the craziness of Christian family life. And then in episode 100, We have building family relationships as you walk through the many seasons of life from celebration to sadness and everything in between. So some of those episodes might be additional encouragement to you in this conversation about raising our kids in the Lord while being surrounded by brokenness and chaos and sadness. And, you know, how do we connect the truths of the Bible with our everyday craziness of motherhood and do that in the middle of a culture that is not not necessarily very supportive of that and certainly not healthy and holy in the way that we want our family life to be and we want to raise our kids to be. So lots of good stuff there. All the links, again, they're in the show notes, loveyourpeoplewell.com forward slash 104. And um, I'll just remind you of my disclaimer. I'm a therapist this podcast is not therapy. Um, There's lots of resources on the website as well, some previous episodes about mental health, getting connected with a good counselor. Um, I would just note with that here, if you are particularly struggling with some of the questions we're talking about today, how to raise your kids in the Lord, how to handle the brokenness of the world, those can be very deep and difficult conversations. And so finding a Christian counselor, having a Christ-honoring gospel-saturated counseling conversation would be particularly important. I do think, in my experience, there are some counseling-related conversations that are not necessarily like 
as heavy of you have to be with a Christian to have these conversations um, because the Lord gives common grace to plenty of people. But when we're really thinking about Christian motherhood and the brokenness around us, we need to know that we're talking with someone who understands the gospel and understands that we are doing all of this by grace. So I'll just add that little note in there. But of course, you can click the link in the um, podcast description if you want more about counseling and, and some ideas to help you there. And let me start our conversation with um, just a hopefully very obvious reminder to all of us that good parenting, certainly biblical parenting, goes so much deeper than simply meeting the legal responsibilities of parenthood. And I realize that part of the brokenness of this world is that we have to legally define what is required of a parent. At what point is it so far gone that a parent and a child really needs some intervention from the state? And we're certainly not going to take time debating what is or is not appropriate there, what that should or shouldn't look like. But simply the reality that we live in a world that has to define a parent needs to provide XYZ for their children, that is evidence, my friends, of the brokenness that um, just, a, just a small piece of the brokenness that we're talking about today. Um, but the reality is, at least here in America, there are things that the law says parents have to do for their children. We have to provide food, we have to provide shelter, um, we have to provide appropriate medical care and um, appropriate education. But these legal responsibilities, they really only point to deeper biblical truths. And when we think about our call as Christian moms, sure, we have to provide the food and the shelter and the education and those things. And hopefully, we already know that. And that comes easily. I mean, we trust the Lord is going to provide what we need to provide that for our kids. But it's the deeper biblical truths that should be occupying the majority of our time and attention as Christian moms, especially when we encounter or consider and try to prepare for the brokenness of the world that we are raising our kids in. So let's consider some of those deeper biblical truths of what parenthood is designed to include. Um, and it does, it does connect back with those legal responsibilities. Um, but I would say there are three particular um, umbrellas, I guess I would say, of biblical parenthood. Um, so first of all, parents have a responsibility, we as moms have a responsibility to protect our children. And the world focuses heavily there on the physical side of protection, shelter, and medical care. We need to protect our children. But God has an even bigger purpose for us as moms when we consider the protection that we provide. Because we also have a responsibility to provide spiritual protection of our children and emotional protection of our children. And that would certainly include... We do have to make sure, as, as best as we can, as we are able, that their physical needs are met. But if we fall short of putting attention on their spiritual needs, 
protecting them from the brokenness around them, the um, the lies that they will encounter in the media that all of their friends might be watching or listening to, um, protecting them from the messages that they'll be hearing maybe at school or from their friends, the things that social media would tell them are normal and good. We have a responsibility to protect them from that and prepare them for how to, as they grow and gain wisdom and gain independence and gain maturity, how do we teach them to protect themselves, to protect their own hearts, to protect their eyes, to protect their minds, because they will have to live in a world where these unhelpful messages, these untrue messages, these un ungodly behaviors are accepted and celebrated. And, you know, we're not talking here about what may or may not be included on that list. But there are things in the world, and there always have been, that people embrace, which God would tell us are not good, not healthy, not holy. And so as our parents, um, as parents, when our children are young, we have a responsibility to protect them as much as we can from those outside negative influences. And we will talk in a few minutes about kind of how do we do this? <laughs> how do we do these three biblical truths? How do we live that out in a practical way? But we also, as our kids age, as they get older, and they should be getting more and more independence, they will interact with the world more and more. We have to also be preparing them for how to protect themselves. How do they make independent decisions about what TV shows they should or shouldn't watch, what music to listen to, what friends to hang out with, what jobs to take. There are so many things they will encounter. Even how do they interact with the news? How much do they read that and watch that? How do they think about it? How do they process it? How do they um, you know, decide when to just turn it off? <laughs> we have a responsibility to protect them and to prepare them to protect themselves. And I also mentioned emotionally protecting our children. And yes, legally, there are limits when it comes to how a parent could treat their child just with their words and how they are emotionally treating their child. But we know the Lord has such a bigger goal and a bigger purpose for parents that we should be the people who are loving them unconditionally, who are showing them such support and encouragement and care that they feel safe exploring the world around them, interacting with the world around them, even when that world might hurt them. Even when they get bullied at school, or they fail a test, or they fall short in some way, or they have their first relationship and, and the breakup happens, whatever it is they go through where we're giving them some independence there, do they have a safe place to land? Can we look at the decisions they're making and say, okay, that's not maybe a wise decision, not a good decision. Let's talk that through. Let's work that through together rather than just rejecting them or telling them what to do. Um, and sometimes that's our words, but sometimes that's just our attitude or tone of voice. And so when we think about this deeper biblical truth, parents have a responsibility to protect their children physically, spiritually, and emotionally and prepare them to protect themselves. 
And I'm going to hold off on some of the practical ideas for how to do that um, so that we can talk about these two other biblical truths, which again, I think do connect with some of the legal responsibilities. But another one is that as Christian parents, we have a responsibility to nourish our children. And again, yes, that's physical. We have to provide food. We have to nourish their little bodies um, and their big bodies as they get bigger and eat us, you know, eat us out of, what is it, home and and wallet. I don't know. There's like a phrase for that that I'm blanking on. As they eat a ridiculous amount of food. That's really what I'm saying. <laughs> we have a responsibility to nourish our children physically, but also, again, spiritually and emotionally. It's probably pretty obvious how we nourish our children with food. Hopefully every once in a while they eat something green and they drink some water and, you know, they're making some healthy decisions for their eating habits. But what about your nourishment of their spiritual life? How often are we reading the word together, teaching them how to read the word for themselves and their emotional life? Are we nourishing them with words of encouragement, words of affirmation? Are we nourishing them by helping them think through pros and cons of a decision they might have to make or helping them figure out how do I confess my sin? How do I ask for forgiveness? How do I offer forgiveness? How do I forgive myself? There are so many things that parents need to nourish their children in. And if we stop at that kind of baseline, do they have enough to eat and I'm not yelling at them? (laughs) Like, is that our baseline? Or Are we going to be able and willing to go deeper in the way that the Lord calls us to? And again, this is hard to do in a world that that has a different message about what is good and true and beautiful. Now, the world probably would agree with us about, um, at least for the most part, about physical, you know, food, what food is healthy or not healthy. (laughs) But we know that the world around us does not always have an accurate message about what spiritual nourishment would look like and even what emotional nourishment would look like. Because it is not as cut and dry as affirming every decision that our child makes and saying everything they think is good, everything they feel is good. And we all know that. My kids are toddlers And the number of times I have to redirect them during the day of, hey, don't hit your sister, (laughs) don't steal that toy from them. Sure, that feels good to them. They want that toy, so they take it. They are feeling frustration, and so they do something that releases that frustration, and now they're happy again, except the decisions they're making there are not good. And that might be very obvious with toddlers. It gets harder, of course, as they get older. And the decisions they're making are much bigger decisions, but also they have more of a voice in why they're doing what they're doing or thinking what they're thinking. And we have a responsibility to nourish their thought process, their decision-making process, to nourish them as they consider all the different options that are available and what is actually going to be good, healthy, life-giving, We have a responsibility to nourish our children. And then the third biblical truth of parenthood, of Christ-honoring parenthood, um, that I would say is that parents have a responsibility to teach their children. And yes, again, legally, you got to provide your kids with some level of education, 
But of course, this also extends to spiritual truths and teaching kids how to live in this world, this broken world, this chaotic world, how to live in it with the best possible relational maturity and emotional maturity. Spiritually, we can look at Deuteronomy 6 and we see a very clear picture of what parents need to teach their children. We need to teach our children God's word. Why does God say what he says? What does he say? (laughs) Why does it matter? We need to help our children, um, not just tell them what to do, tell them, well, God says do this, so yeah, better do it, but to actually teach them what he's done in the past. Why is he good and faithful and strong? How, How do we know we can trust him? What has he done in the past? Why does that matter for them today? Um, Why does he tell us to do what he tells us to do? We have a responsibility to teach and educate and help them understand the fear of the Lord, which is, of course, the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. You can see that right there in Proverbs. And so we have that spiritual responsibility to our children. And I've already mentioned the piece within protecting our children and nourishing our children. Part of that is teaching them how to protect themselves, how to nourish themselves as they grow and get that independence. And they will need, even beyond protecting themselves and nourishing themselves, um, there's obviously a strong element there of what are they choosing to engage in or spend their time on? How are they um, protecting their own heart and mind? and soul. But also, we have to teach them how to interact with other people. Other people who sometimes will disagree with them. Other people who might not treat them very well. (laughs) Um, And of course, with that, what should they expect of their future spouse or friends or employers, the people who should be treating them well and should agree with them, at least on the big things of life. And so how do they relate with other people? How do they show empathy and kindness and compassion? And of course, a big portion of that is the Holy Spirit's work in their life, which we, as their moms, we can't control that. I cannot make my children patient, but I can teach them what patience looks like and the value of patience. I can model that for them. I can hold them to the expectation of waiting for certain things. Um, I can't control if they're waiting well in their own heart and their own mind. That is between them and the Lord. But I can teach them all these various elements of what that looks like, that, you know, that one thing, patience, on the list of a million things that we want our kids to know and to be good at. How do they live in this world relationally and emotionally? And as I said already in the introduction, when I consider these three callings as a Christian mom to protect my children, nourish my children, and teach my children, and the depth of what the Lord would include within those, that can be so overwhelming. Those are the moments when I look at the world around me and I think, oh my goodness, Like, there's no way I can do this. I want to protect them from every even drop of sin in the world, but I know that I can't do that. And I want to protect them from every possible temptation, um, from sin in their own heart, in their own life. And yet they were born into that. That is not something that I can actually do. 
And that hurts sometimes. That hurts to really think about that, reflect on that, consider that. And I have to turn that back over to the Lord. It can feel overwhelming, the power of sin and brokenness in the world. But I have to turn my gaze away from that sin and brokenness of the world and refocus it on the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit to regenerate my children, to bring life spiritually to my children. I need to turn to the protection of God and the nourishment of his word and the wisdom that I get from that and and how he equips me then to give that on to them. That is where we need to focus our attention, our heart, and our energy when we're feeling overwhelmed. And so let's turn the corner here together and think about some practical ways in everyday life, when we are struggling ourselves with our own temptations, our own trials, um, when we're dealing with the fallout of sin and brokenness with other people and and just nature, you know, life, um, we're approaching winter, and that can be really harsh. There are realities of life that don't even have anything to do with people, but that are difficult and make our lives difficult and our children's lives difficult. So in a practical way, I have already mentioned a few things kind of here and there as we've been talking, um, but I would summarize that and point to an action plan for family discipleship. How are you going to actually take action on a day-to-day basis? What is your family rhythm or your morning routine or evening routine or you know whatever you want to call it, whatever you want that to look like? How are you tailoring your time with your kids to actively and proactively teach them about these things, um, to know what it is that will nourish them and how are you going to provide that to them? How is this going to look in your day-to-day life? And I've given many examples on the podcast in previous episodes about how my husband and I are, are shaping discipleship for our children Um, but they're two years old. I know that that's going to look very different over the next few years and beyond. Um, And honestly, it even looks different today than it did six months ago because we had another baby. And so life has been crazy. And my husband took a new job. He's now the family pastor at our church. And part of his job right now is researching all the different Bibles and books and things that are out there for preschoolers and toddlers and elementary kids and equipping parents. And so he's coming home with all these resources and all these ideas for us to try. Let's see how this works. Let's see if we like it. Do we want to roll it out to the church at large? So there's been a lot of change for us right now in how we disciple our kids. I can't tell you what that should look like for your family, but I can tell you it has to include God's word. It has to include prayer. It has to include some elements of worship and gathering with the body of believers and all really just all the basics of scripture. All the things that God calls Christians to do in scripture, we have a responsibility to do that with our kids. We're not excluding them from that, but we're also certainly, well, hopefully it's pretty obvious we're not excluding them from that, but it might be a little bit less obvious that we still need to be intentional about it. We can't just pop them in the car seat, take them to church, plop them in their nursery Sunday school class or whatever, and assume, okay, my job is done. Someone else is going to teach them about the word because I brought them to the right place. Biblical parenting goes so much deeper than that. 
And so having an intentional plan for family discipleship is going to be really, really helpful. Um, It's going to change over the years, but you have to have a plan um, in place if you're going to know, is this working? Should I change the plan? Do we need some new resources or new routines or, or whatever that might look like? And then it's also helpful at a practical level to be intentional about your children's activities. What are the, I mean, especially when they're young, you have a lot of control. Are they going to play soccer or baseball? Are they going to take uh, piano lessons or guitar lessons? Or maybe none of the above. Are you going to homeschool, send them to private school, send them to public school? I mean, there's a lot of decisions. And sometimes we just don't even realize they are decisions because either that's maybe what our whole community does or everybody at our church goes to this same private school or we're all public school kids. And and so we don't even think about it. We just go with the flow. And um, we might just involve them in whatever activities we grew up enjoying. (laughs) And that might wind up being fine, but that's different than being intentional about what is going to be good and right and best for my child and my family. Being intentional about the activities that we put our children in, and as they get older, the activities we allow them to be involved in, (laughs) are we saying yes to everything they want to do? Or are we actually thinking about why do you want to do that? What are the what's the good and the bad of, of saying yes to that? Because saying yes to that means you're saying no to something else. And so making those decisions for our kids or over time with our kids, having that parental management of their social life, their activity life, is hugely important in how we protect, nourish, and teach our children. We cannot just take things for granted. We cannot simply go along with the flow of what everyone else around us is doing. Um, You might land on the same decision as most other parents in your church or in your neighborhood or with your friends or whatever, but you want to land on that decision because you have already thought about it, because you know your child, their strengths and struggles, and you know the realities of your family life and what is actually going to teach your kids what you want them to learn and what is going to be the best place to protect them and nourish them. And so that intentionality with family discipleship, but also with activities, schooling, these things that are going to fill your child's time. And with that, um, this is obviously involved, but I would put it in a separate category would be our intentionality as parents around our child's friend group. And a lot of times we don't really think about this until they're older and they're actually making their own friends. (laughs) They're not just going on whatever play date mommy schedules for them, um, but they're deciding for themselves. I like this person. I don't like that person. Maybe they're getting to that age where dating is, is entering into the conversation. But what friends are we allowing our children to spend time with? Who are the people surrounding them? It goes beyond friends. That would include um, the pastors at your church. Who is the youth pastor? Do you like that person? Do you trust that person? Because that person is going to have a lot of influence in your child's life. Look at the other kids in the youth group or whatever group that might be at your church setting. What, What are those kids like? What are their personalities and attitudes? What does their spiritual life look like from the outside looking in? Obviously, you don't know their hearts. But you can assume your child is going to look like them if those are the people they're spending time with. And a lot of us are not 
super intentional about this with our kids. Uh, We just kind of let them become friends with whoever they become friends with. And maybe we cut off, you know, cut a line at kids who are drinking and smoking and skipping school or whatever these big things are. Or when they're younger, maybe the kids who are bullying other people, we might try to keep them apart. We often take some level of action here. But are we actually sitting down with our kids to talk about, you know, why is this person your friend? Why do you want to hang out with them? Why do you not want to hang out with this other person? Are we helping them think through these decisions that they're making? Because the people they spend time with, their friends, their pastors, their mentors, coaches and teachers, um, even family members, cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents, who is your child spending time with? Those are the people who are going to have a huge influence alongside you as having an influence on how protected is your child, how nourished is your child, are they eating junk food every day, physically or spiritually or emotionally, or are they being fed healthy foods and encouraging words and biblical truths. These people will be teaching your children whether they have that as a formal part of their job description or simply the reality of kind of living life together, your kids are going to look at their peers, their friends, um, their mentors and coaches. They're going to look at these people to figure out and decide what is good, what is right, what is healthy. Um, They might even look to them to decide what is holy. And so if these people are living by the brokenness of the world rather than the holiness of the gospel, then they are not the people that you want your child to be influenced by. And we have to be intentional about that. This requires decisions about, again, activities that they're going to do, but it also involves conversations with them, even when they're very young, and um, includes a high element of supervision. And supervision would take me to um, the last point that I would have here as far as practical ways of how this plays out would be considering and being intentional about how your family utilizes technology. And if I'd been making this podcast episode, you know, 10 years ago, I might not have included that on the list. Uh, But then again, podcasts are technology and did not exist, I don't think, 10 years ago. (laughs) Maybe they did in their very early form. I certainly was not listening to them. But today, wherever you are, technology is a big part of your child's life. It's probably a bigger part of your child's life, or it will be as they grow up, than it is of your life. Um, They call them digital natives. You know, they grew up with not just a cell phone, but with smartphones and not just a computer in the house, but a tablet in the bedroom and frankly, a computer in their pocket if they have a smartphone. Technology is everywhere. And as we think about our responsibility to protect our children, technology is going to have a huge influence on how protected are my children's hearts, how protected are their thoughts and their eyeballs. And technology is going to influence how how they're being nourished and how they're being taught. And I can definitely say, as a counselor, I encounter so many families where the parents don't really think about technology. They just kind of, again, go with the flow of like, well, everybody else at school has a cell phone or, 
you know, my child needs a cell phone so they can call me. What if there's a safety issue? Obviously, you have to think about safety and all these sorts of things. But so many parents are, are I'm not even going to say surprised, they're shocked by what their child accesses through technology that the parent didn't even know was possible. And partly that's just um, kind of the reality of being older. <laughs> and like you're, I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're an 18 year old mama who's trying to love on her teeny tiny little person. The younger people, <laughs> the younger generation knows more about technology than you do. Unless maybe you work at Facebook and you're developing all the apps. But the reality is we're never going to know as much as our kids about what is possible and available in technology. And so we need to be very intentional about what they access, when they access it. And we need to be intentional about our conversations with them, not just giving them a phone, but clarifying expectations with that phone, um, checking that phone ourselves, looking at the apps that they are using, looking at their screen time usage with them, picking it up at random times, you know, maybe to look at their text messages, like you can have a whole privacy conversation with your kids, but your job is to protect, nourish and teach them. And if you don't know what they're doing on their devices, you will not be ultimately as successful with protecting them, nourishing them and teaching them. That is simply a reality of technology. But it's not just about your kids devices, you have to consider your own devices the family devices, if you have a television or a computer, um, you know, how do you, they have all these apps now where you can link up all your phones and track them on GPS. I mean, there's a lot of options out there. But again, we don't want to just go with what is easiest or cheapest or what all of our friends are using. We want to think through you and your husband to sit down and think through what technology means for your child today and for their future? How do you need to engage with technology in a way that protects your child, nourishes them, teaches them? Because they will access things that, you know, 20 years ago, when you were growing up, when I was growing up, I never could have accessed some of this stuff. I would have had to really look for it, really be intentional about finding all these little nuggets of wisdom that are on Wikipedia, let alone all of the horrible things that are out there through technology. And so considering and being intentional about how does your family utilize technology is going to be a very practical way that you protect, nourish, and teach your children. So let me recap that for you. And I know there's a lot of, um, a lot more probably ideas in there or like categories to think about and pray through. Um, and if I did a bullet point list of like specific ideas, that list would probably be a thousand, well, a thousand bullet points long. I was going to say pages might not be quite that long, at least what's coming out of my brain. Um, but there's so many different ways this could play out for every individual family, but be intentional about family discipleship, be intentional about the activities you allow your kids to engage with and be involved in the friend group. Um, the people that are around them, and be intentional about technology. These things have such an influence on how you're parenting your kids. And speaking of kids, I hear mine knocking on the door. I think nap time is over. So I'm going to wrap up. We will be back on Friday uh, with some ideas for caring for yourself 
in this broken world as you're parenting your kids. You have to take care of yourself. So definitely circle back on Friday for some encouragement there. But until then, hugs and blessings to you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon.